who in here has got a bad attitude? I know none of you here today because obviously y'all have shown a very good, good stuff, but sometimes we do. So either you don't probably, maybe today or you do today, but tomorrow you may, you know, and, you know, we know we have challenges. We're still in this flesh, okay? But I want to talk about, obviously, what can change your attitude. So we're going to look at a couple of verses here that y'all will aware of I want to share with you because it's real simple what we're going to talk about today but the word of God is not complicated it's you can read it a child can read it and glean and God can speak to their hearts and I just believe God will speak today Holy Spirit you speak this is your service amen in Romans chapter 8 verse 5 if you'd like to stand while we read this one verse and then we're going to read Psalm 100 and you can read it with me if you like but very true this is a real not it's the word, but it is a strong more than principle of the word of God that will obviously keep us on the right path. Let's read it together. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. Let's read it again. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. All right, in Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His, and we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Look at that first verse. Shout for joy to the Lord, to all the earth. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Shout to the Lord. As so many times in the word of God, it says shout to the Lord. Amen. And you want to shout. Okay. You shout in this place because that's praising God. We're thanking God because when you come together, these are just not some types of symbol symbolisms. These are actual realities. Shout to the Lord all the earth because he is good. When we enter his presence, we go to heaven and we're in front of Jesus. We stand there. We will see him as he is. Obviously, I don't know what we will do. That Mercy Me song said, will we fall at his feet? Will we shout? Will we dance? Will we not not be able to say anything at all? We know, obviously, that I believe that song says it all in regards to in the very presence of the Lord. Well, see, the presence of the Lord, he's here now. And we talked about last few months uh, about encountering the Lord and the manifest presence of the Lord or the tangible presence of the Lord. At times you can tell, obviously, surely God is in this place and that there's a sense you can feel him. And last week I ended the service with the fact that uh, I asked you to pray. You want to experience the Lord is that you would feel his affection for you. You would feel his affection. We know Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But God wants it more than just intellectual assent. God wants us to know experientially that he loves you and me. And he is a, he's creative in the way he does that. Sometimes it's just blatantly an overwhelming sense that God loves me. And I know this. And you're able to go through adversity or whatever you face in life uh, in, in a less difficult way anyway, to be able to go and rise above and go through the circumstances of life. 
But sometimes it's not necessarily, it's just, sometimes he just comes at the, just the right time to give us that uh, wave of encouragement to build us up. And so ask you, continue to pray. Lord, I want to feel your affection for me. He's beginning to reveal that to my heart. And I know he will you also. So we want to talk about this today. It says those who are real simple. You keep thinking about the things of the world and the desires of the flesh. And the flesh is actually contrary and in opposition to the things of the spirit. But the flesh is still here. We're still in this body. They won't be gone until we go to heaven. And so God is telling us in this here through Paul, the Apostle Paul, how we can live the victorious Christian life. What are you going to think about today? You're going to think about the things of God? Or are you going to think about the things of the world? We get so fixated on those things of the world. And what happens is addictions come in, habits come in, things that we thought never would come in, and they grip our hearts. And before long, we have a stronghold, the Bible talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, that's built up in our lives. And God is saying, don't think about those things. Actually, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it talks about taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. When that thought comes in, because here is where the battle is, right between your two ears. It's like a computer. What comes in, a lot of times, well, what comes out. But you and I determine what comes in and what we will allow to lay a nest in our minds. Okay, it's like a bird. All right, we allow things to happen, but we can take authority over it and we can cast it out when it comes in. Because when you know it's contrary to the will of God or the things of God, you need to say, I don't I reject this right now. People say something bad about you. They use a bad word about you or you're around an atmosphere environment that, you know, is negative and negativism is very, very contagious. Okay. A lot easier, it appears to me, to be negative than it is to really stay positive. But yet, we have to discipline ourselves. The Christian life is a life of discipline. And so we think about the things of the Spirit, not the things of the flesh. But we want to talk about how can you change your attitude? Real simple. And it is very simple. God didn't make it complicated. Last week, we talked about sin. We talked about sin is focused on ourselves and not on God and others. Actually, sin is selfishness. It actually self It's about me. And we live in a me, myself type of society and culture today. And so we know that people are focused on themselves. People are not outwardly thinking. They're inwardly thinking and inwardly acting. And that's where the sin comes in. And you and I need to be outwardly focused. We need to look outwardly, as we said, looking for people, listening to the spirit of God that will he will direct us to people. That need prayer. And sometimes it may be just coming over. And just a hug or whatever it may be. Maybe something that's just so powerful in that. Somebody just told me recently. I'm not sure if I remember who it was. But they. Um, you, somebody here may have told us. But um, yeah. Yeah somebody was here. I, can't, I won't call out because it's confidential. But they needed just a hug. Just a hug. A hug will do wonders. Hug will build you up. It's the love of Christ. And so those things are so simple because sometimes you think, well, theologically, I may not be completely correct or, or not, but certainly you can hug somebody. You can hug. See, our society, because of COVID and because of all the other things that we've seen, again, appropriately, as men hug women, it needs to be appropriate, certainly. But we need to obviously get back to where we can 
touch one another, shake hands with one another. I mean, put your hands there if it's allowed and so forth. You need to ask permission and so forth. But COVID kept us distance. And we haven't gotten back, I believe, in the way that God would have us to be. We're here because people, I have feeling, people want to know that there's a connection between you and I. So that inwardness will obviously cause us to just sort of become a hermit and withdraw and not look outwardly. But there's something that happens when we begin to look outwardly. Because God doesn't want us just to look inwardly. So how do I know it? It's because obviously uh, I've felt is at the core of all sin. If you think about it for a few minutes, you'll come to the conclusion that the core of your behavior and motivation is yourself. Yeah, you might do a few good things for people or for others, but most of the time, our attention is inwardly focused. I think we can agree with that. Most of the time, we look inwardly, don't we? God wants us to become outward and others focused, not me focused. And this is because God himself is outward focused. He chose us. We didn't choose him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God was thinking of you and me. We were a thought, as it may be said, in God's mind at eternity past. Before this thing ever even started that we cannot understand, before the foundations of the world, he had you and me on his mind. Now that is just, <laughs> my mind blows my mind. But that's the truth. He knew. He knew when we would come to a place of recognition that we needed a Savior. He knew in that time that we would need this and that. He's already out in front of us making a way where it doesn't seem to be a way. And that term is prevenient grace. He's already kind of taking, those, <clears throat> taking the, the machete and making a way and just mowing down things for you and I. And we're just walking behind him. He's our leader He's our master. He's our king. We follow him. We follow Jesus. In fact, we're not just Christians in that. You could say we are followers of Jesus. Amen. We are followers of Jesus. And so Jesus is saying, don't be out inwardly focused. Be outwardly focused because obviously a lot of things are going on around us that we miss. A lot of opportunities that you and I miss. And God has begun showing us these things. And if we'll obey and we'll begin to respond to him, he'll show you more and more and more. But if we say, well, that's not for me. That's for somebody else. That's for the preacher and so forth. Then God said, well, why do I bother showing you anything if you're not going to do anything about it? God is saying he does have purpose for us. And it is a great purpose here. And we need to allow what grips the heart of God to grip our hearts. Think about it for a moment. What do we need to feel the way God feels? We need to see people the way God sees people. <clears throat> do we see people the way God sees them? Do we see souls out there that are hurting and desperate in need of the good news or need of a touch or need of just someone saying, hey, I love you. I'm with you. I understand empathy is so powerful. Listening is so powerful today because we don't like to listen because we have an agenda before we even start talking to a person. People are looking for people to listen to them and just say, I care about you. I just care. I love you. And I want you to know I'm here for you and really mean it, not just in the passing by. And that's why a church, when we come and pass by one another, it's, hey, how you doing? Great. I'm doing good. I put on my shirt, come in here, preach a sermon, and we go home and so forth. Oh, man, church is a lot more than that, folks. Church is about community. 
Church is about getting to know one another. Church is about doing things another. Church is about being a place that's safe, that people can come and share their lives and their hearts with and their deepest needs with the body of Christ that we can build them up. Remember, he came for the sick. He didn't come for the well. This is a hospital, isn't it? Jesus came to set the captive free. And this is a place for freedom. This is not a place where we just hear a sermon and then we go home and go, well, I've done my religious duty today. No, it just begins here. Actually, the ministry takes place outside of these four walls. God is saying, look outwardly here today and see other people as God sees them because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. We have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and me. If you're a believer, then you have the spirit. You have his leadership in your life. He will guide you. He will speak to you. He will comfort you. He will convict you. He will obviously set boundaries in your life. He will say, no, 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 don't do that. He'll get put restrictions because he knows what's best for us. He is God almighty. He's the third person of the Trinity. He lives within us. He is here right now. Always say, Lord, I know you're here. Let us be aware of your presence. Let us be aware. Let us feel your presence. Let us know your presence. Let us encounter you because worship is encountering the living God. Hallelujah. God is saying today he wants people that look outwardly. And sometimes we move towards an attitude by allowing God to show us what breaks his heart. What does break his heart? I believe sick people break his heart. We pray for healing. I believe people who, who obviously are really oppressed by demonic forces for deliverance, whatever it may be, I believe it breaks his heart. God wants to set them free. Jesus said, I came to set the captive free. You and I have authority. Jesus is not our authority. It's Jesus' authority. He delegates it to us. But we have authority to pray over people, to see things happen, to see miracles manifested, to see things happen in a powerful way today. We need to keep that vision, folks, because the, the enemy is doing all he can to kind of snuff it out. You're nobody. Who do you think you are? You just messed up a while ago. What you do is confess it to him and you get back up again and you begin to share and and walk with the Lord in intimacy because he's going to show you. He said, no, you're not out of the game. He said, I haven't forgotten about you. You haven't obviously somehow nullified his grace. His amazing grace is on and on and on. Our whole life is all grace. If y'all haven't recognized that yet, I want to tell you today, it's all grace. The whole thing is grace. Even coming to Jesus is grace. Yes, we made a choice to receive him and believe upon him. But the whole thing is grace. Let me tell you today, I don't deserve anything except hellfire and punishment. Complete ostracized from God Almighty's presence today. And that's mercy. But we don't get what we deserve. So it's all grace. That's why we praise him. That's why we thank him. That's why obviously we come to worship the Lord. There's one thing we can do to change our perspective from being a me focus to a God focus. And it involves an act of, the, of your will, an act of your mind. Simple, isn't it? What I do is an act of my will. I do because I obviously do what I want to do. And so it's not like, oh, well, you know, I need to get prepared for this. No, if you're a Christian, then you are already prepared. It's an act of your will to give thanks. Do I always feel like thanking God for this and that and the other? No, I don't. Feelings are fickle. I've always told you that. Feelings come and go. Feelings are not what obviously uh, 
position us in our position before the Lord. It's truth that obviously puts us in that place. And the truth is Jesus loves us and he is for us, not against us. And so it's an act of our will. It's an act of your mind. And this, the Bible says that those who walk according to the Spirit have their minds set upon the things of the Spirit. And those who walk according to the flesh have their minds set upon the things the flesh desires. When you feel like you're drifting, you feel depressed, you feel like you're just out of line, go back and see where your mind is beginning to just be set upon the things of the world. Where something else has taken the priority of Jesus in your life. You know, when you came to the Lord Jesus, you didn't just say, hey, Jesus, you know, we know that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But you came and you basically you said, Lord, I want you Lord of my life. I want you Lord of my finances. I want you Lord of my health. I want you Lord of my possessions. I want you Lord of my family. I want you Lord of every aspect of my life. You see, because Jesus is Lord. But sometimes we know that other things creep in. Because our mind gets set upon the things of the flesh and we become uh, inwardly focused when that happens. But when we have our mind set upon the things of the Spirit, then we know that we are outwardly focused. So at the core of all this, what is it? It's pride. It's exaltation of self. We can't look at God if we're looking at self. When we give thanks to God, we turn our attention from ourselves to God. Prideful people, ungrateful people. Anybody been around a prideful person? They're ungrateful. Why? Because ungrateful people are ungrateful because in their minds, conscious or subconsciously, they believe that they're responsible for their blessings or success. They believe me. I'm a self-made man. I did it all. You've heard people say that before. And yet God is saying, no, you didn't either. No, no, no. You didn't do it here. And they believe that they've made themselves what they are. That they have earned what they have and no one, owe no one the credit or thanks. An old preacher, H.A. Ironside, he was, was in a crowded restaurant one time. And just as Ironside was about to begin his meal, a man approached and asked if he could join him. And Ironside invited him to have a seat. And then, as was his custom, Ironside bowed his head in prayer. And when he opened his eyes, the other man asked, do you have a headache? And Ironside replied, no, I don't. The other man asked, well, is there something wrong with your food? Ironside replied, no, I was simply thanking God as I always do before I eat. The man said, oh, you're one of those, are you? Well, I want you to know I never give thanks. I earn my money by the sweat of my brow and I don't have to give thanks to anybody when I eat. And I just start right in. And Iron said, said, yes, you're just like my dog. That's what he does also. Okay. Give thanks. Give thanks. Take time. Let it break some of the things off of us because it will. It will break that pride off of our hearts when you give thanks. Because you recognize that this whole thing is not about you, not about me. You recognize it's about God, about Jesus, the things of God today. That's what we're talking about here. We're much like the little boy who was given an orange by a man. The boy's mother asked, what do you say to the nice man? And the little boy thought and handed the orange back and said, peel it. Isn't that true today? Instead of saying thank, thank you, they want something else, right? How many of you, obviously, in raising children or grandchildren or whatever influence you have on other people, have kind of said, can you say thank you? 
Can you say thank you, right? Thank you is powerful. It's like an elementary thing that we should learn and we should impart to the next generation. Hallelujah. Right? But I want to tell you, unfortunately, an attitude of ingratitude is more common than we think it is. If you find a man or woman, obviously, who is thankful, obviously, then it gets your attention. How many of you have seen that? I go to Chick-fil-A. Probably eat too much at Chick-fil-A. We had Chick-fil-A last night, by the way. At Chick-fil-A, I don't know whether they train the people there. and This is not always true, because I have been to some they are not. But most of them are very, very nice, and they're thankful. And most of the time, they'll say, yes, sir, and no, sir, blah, blah, this and that, and thank you. Boy, man, it catches my attention. It does, doesn't it, you? It catches my attention. I'm going, I'm coming back to this place because they're thanking me for coming and giving them my business and keeping them, obviously, alive in their business today. People saying thank you. I say thank you to everybody. I say thank you. I make it a habit of saying thank you. And when I don't, sometimes, God, I think I put a check in my spirit and show me you didn't say thanks or whatever. And something is not right because I think it grieves the heart of God when we're not grateful. Shout for joy all the earth. Come before him with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, you see. We come in and we enter into worship. How? With thanksgiving. Why is it that I've obviously talked to you about how powerful Thanksgiving is? We've started this service with Thanksgiving. Who are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? What's God done in your life? Can you give Him praise today? The Bible says He gives us life and breath and everything else. He takes care of it. I want to tell you that if He didn't want you and me here today, we wouldn't be here today. So I can give Him thanks today. And it changes my attitude. It begins to obviously work on my heart because so often, a lot of times, I want to tell you that ingratitude type of spirit comes, comes in very, very easily. So while Christians may be born of the Spirit, unless we learn to walk by the Spirit, which means we set our minds on the things of the Spirit, we'll look like and act like the rest of the world. We should look different, right? <laughs> we got to look different. We're going out like the salmon in Alaska. We're going upstream against the tide of the culture. Okay? We should be doing things differently than the world does. We shouldn't blend into the world to a point to where they don't see Jesus in us. We need to be thankful. People are looking for that. I want to take grocery stores, uh, Walmarts, wherever it may be that you're at. It doesn't make any difference. Filling stations at the gas pump. It may be. It doesn't make any difference where you are. The Spirit will lead you to different places to minister to people. And it may be. God bless you. It may be. Man, how you doing today? People will whip around and look at you, man, because so people, people are so obviously focused on what the task of the day are. They're just like got blinders on. And you kind of break them out of that to recognize that it's outward where we get blessed, isn't it? I want to share with you a couple biblical principles that will help change your perspective and the way you look at life, the way you look at yourself, and also the way you look at other people. To become a person who looks outward, develop that thankful heart. There is power. Power. We know wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb, but there's power and thanks today. Now, an illustration as far as housewives are concerned here. Housewives could, you could say, they're thankful for automatic dishwashers because they make it possible to get out of the kitchen before the family comes back in for their after-dinner snacks, right? Housewives are thankful for that. 
housewives are thankful for husbands who try to do the small repair jobs around the house because they usually make them big enough to call into professionals, right? Housewives are thankful for children who put away their things and clean up after themselves. They're such a joy. You hate to see them go home to their own parents. (laughs) You're catching this. Housewives are also thankful for teenagers because they give parents an opportunity to learn a second language. Right? Housewives are thankful for smoke alarms because they let you know when dinner's done. (laughs) An attitude of thanks will crucify a prideful spirit. (laughs) It does. Man, it'll break it. Because ingratitude is obviously what we see a lot of in our culture. In Romans chapter 1, listen to this, verse 21. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. We know the first chapter in Romans is a very, very, very confronting chapter about what happens when people are doing their own thing. And we see that in our culture today. People rejected God, the things of God, word of God. They basically say it's an old archaic book. It does not, it's not relevant for today. These preachers I hear preaching these things, purity and holiness and all these things. These are old fashioned. We need to get with the times. Isn't that what they tell us? But Romans chapter one talks about that. But one thing's always stuck out in my mind many, many years is the people did not give thanks. So what did God do? He turned them over, obviously. And it says to a depraved mind. He turned them, he let them go. So thankfulness is very, very important for you and I. And as Christians, we obviously should be doing that on a regular basis. And gratitude leads to a darkened heart. One that becomes hardened towards God. And another, another passage uh, says here in the last days that they will be ungrateful in the last days. Ungrateful here. Ingratitude leads to self-centered, self-focused, self-absorbed, and self-pleasing life. Ingratitude is a result of a man and woman separated from God. But thanksgiving is how we meet God. Psalm 95, verses 1 and 2. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us give joyous shout to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving. Psalm 100, again, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Now, I've always been blown away that you and I as Christians, believers, can bless God Almighty, the Most High God. We can bless his heart. And how do you do that? You worship him, but in that worship, you give thanks. Because we've talked about when you come to worship, it's not about us. It's about him. We're to focus on him. We're to obviously uh, let the Lord get rid of all those extra things around us and the clutter in our minds from this past week and all. And let us come before him and worship him because he's worthy of our worship. One day you're going to be worshiping 24 hours a day, seven days a week, as it may be said. We need to start now, don't we? Thanksgiving can do that. All worship and prayer truly begins with thanksgiving. I want to tell you, encourage you, get along with the Lord. I always say, come Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes. He's here with us, but I'm welcoming you. I welcome you, and I'll say this, something like this. Lord, I welcome you into my life today. You're here with me, but I open my heart to you. And I also say this, and I go, I welcome you into my world today. And then I think about it, and I say, Lord, it's really your world. But I welcome you into my world, into my space today. I welcome you. And then go back and begin to reflect upon God, how God has blessed you and thank him 
for those things that he's blessed you with. I want to tell you, you'll sense the presence of the Lord coming. There's a feeling that God is with you. You will know he is there. And just like Jacob, when he said, I didn't even realize it. Surely God is in this place. Surely God is in this place. And when we do that, stop for a moment and give thanks because I'm so busy. Maybe you're so busy that we go on and on and we get into the rut of things. God is saying, give thanks, stop and thank me. So we know the temple of Jesus' day was surrounded by four courtyards. And there, there were various gates or doorways there surrounding those walls of enclosure. The court of the Gentiles there was there. The court of the women, the court of Israel, the inner court. The Holy of Holies were there also. The inner court that surrounded the holy place and the Holy of Holies was the court of the priest. And only the priest could enter the courtyard for the purpose of ministry. Then the Holy of Holies, we know, were there only. The high priest would enter once a year in the Day of Atonement. And there he would offer annual sacrifice and incense for the people. He would intercede for the people. He would stand in the gap and intercede in the Holy of Holies. But see, you and I can enter the Holy of Holies because the veil of the temple was rent in two when Jesus said it's finished and we can go directly, confidently, very boldly, the Bible says in other translations, into the very presence of the Lord, into the Holy of Holies. That's why the veil of the temple was rent in two, that we can go directly in. And, and the Bible says we know in First Peter, Peter chapter 2, we studied a couple of weeks ago over here at Greater Mount Carmel, that we are chosen people, a peculiar people, a, a royal priesthood, that we've been called out of darkness into His marvelous light. And God is saying we are a royal priesthood. <laughs> That's you and me, believers today. That's who God calls us. And that's who we are. And we can go into his presence. We don't have to have someone certainly interceding for us or maybe praying through some. We pray, obviously, to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Go directly into his presence. The veil was rent here. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise here. It's when we thank God that we begin the journey into his presence. You know, Prayer should begin be beginning with uh, should begin with thanksgiving. Uh, you know, teach everybody say thank you. It's contagious around you. In negativity, if you're negative, and you oh poor me, let me tell you, it's contagious. Also, it rubs off, and we have the fight against that spirit that's coming against us. We have so much to be thankful for. And you know what God has obviously convicted me of? And at various times it seems to come to the forefront in my life. And maybe he does it in your way in your life also. And that is the free gift of salvation. Hallelujah. And I thank God for salvation. Amen. I could thank him and praise him throughout eternity. If I never got anything else, I could praise him throughout eternity for salvation. He did not have to save me. It's amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We heard the song Broken Vessels last week. And we heard about that amazing grace. We're broken vessels. God comes along and offers us his grace and I can praise him and thank him. And so if you're not thankful for anything else, be thankful for your salvation. Give him praise. Thank him. Shout to the Lord all the earth. Give him the praise that's true, truly do his, his honor, his glory. Thanksgiving isn't flattery. It's acknowledging the generosity and goodness of God. The one who gives worship should begin with thanksgiving and thanksgiving is an attitude. It's a choice we make. 
We can either be thankful and express gratitude for the rich blessings of God, or we can gripe and murmur and complain about the circumstances. Seems like to me a lot easier to just kind of gripe about things. And, and I mean, I don't know what it is. That old flesh rears its ugly head and says, well, you know, you need to complain about this. Looks like everybody else is doing okay. I mean, it looks like everything. I mean, they're smooth sailing here. And look what you're having to go through. And before long, you slip into that rut of complaining. But remember what happened to the Israelites? They had just been delivered from Egypt, from bondage and slavery. And it's symbolic of our slavery to sin when Jesus Christ delivers us. Remember what happened? They got out in the desert. God was feeding them angel food. I don't know what it tastes like, but many people believe that it was probably real good. If God did it, it had to be very good, right? You know, some of us in here, some of you ladies can really make some good cakes. And I've sampled a few of them in my time here, tenure at Lighthouse Fellowship. And I love those cakes. There's some good cakes and all that. Well, they were eating even, I mean, they were eating cake every day, okay? And it was nourishing their body and they weren't gaining weight and all this. I mean, how much better can it get? But what did they do? They complained. <laughs> they complained. Oh, poor me. I hurt and ache and all this stuff. And I'm not minimizing the suffering. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is, let's take time to give thanks. Let's give thanks to the Lord because he is worthy of our praise. You've heard, obviously, of the gentleman, Michael J. Fox. Remember, he's got Parkinson's disease. Now, listen to what he said. He said in his book that if you made a deal with God that he would take away my Parkinson's disease and cancel out the last 10 years of my life, I tell you to take a hike. My life is so good now. I'm helping a lot of people cope with the stigma of this disease, and it makes me appreciate life as a precious gift. Amen. You don't know, obviously, how good you've got it until you don't have it, right? Every, the Bible says, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Every good thing comes to you and to me in our lives. That's why we give thanks. And I know I talk a lot about it during the Thanksgiving season and so forth, but we can talk about it every day because it's something we need to be reminded of. And I always remember, I preach to myself every time. I need to be reminded of it. Thankful people are happy people. Thankful people are happy people. One man in his book, Happiness is a Serious Problem, he said, there's a secret to happiness. He writes, and it, it's gratitude. And all happy people are grateful. And ungrateful people cannot be happy. We tend to think that it's, that it's being unhappy that leads people to complain. But it's, it's truer to say that it is complaining that leads people to become unhappy. Because grateful... Become grateful and you will become a much happier person. <laughs> All of us want to be happy in here, don't we? <laughs> All of us want to be joyful. All of us want to see that. Why should we thank God? It's because obviously God needs our gratitude. No, he doesn't need that. He's God. We need it. He knows what you and I need. He gives us the instruction manual right here in the 66 books he's given us. And he's given us enough, obviously, that will guide us through life, all that we need. And we need to set our eyes off of ourselves and our pitiful problems and place them on God. Count your many blessings here. When you re retell how you met Jesus, are you filled with thanksgiving? Why or why not? You met Jesus. Go back and revisit that. When God touched your life, changed your life, you got saved, you got reborn, 
Jesus told Nicodemus that you must be born again. Because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. You've got to be reborn. You go back and, and think about it. One man writes a little story about it. He said, obviously, the, uh, he said he faced unending cri crisis and expectations. And he felt obligated to meet needs on demand. And when he, he didn't, he, when he did a great deal to serve people, it became clear they weren't helping them get any better. The same people will return with the same issues over and over and over again. Let me tell you, you want to get the focus off yourself and not repeat the same issues over and over and over again? Give thanks to the Lord. It'll break that prideful spirit. It'll break it off of you. It will sever it. You'll not, never be the same. And he says this. He said, I'll never forget the insight. A homeless man gave me one day. He approached their car asking for money or food. And his wife offered him my lunch consisting of a sandwich and chips. And without hesitation, he looked into a car and pointed to his soup. And he demanded the soup also. Not one ounce of gratitude. So he didn't get either one. Okay. He tells it like this. Gratitude expands both our capacity to love and to experience love. Helping someone grow in gratitude is a relational art. Requiring firm but gentle strokes of the brush. If a person is a believer, a good place to begin is the cross. A good place to begin is the cross. Are you eternally grateful for the cross? I knew a man who's gone home with the Lord now and he used to carry the cross around Houston. It's a big cross. Wooden cross. He put wheels on the end and he would, he would go on the freeways and the back roads and all over. And... <clears throat> His wife told a story about one day he was walking along uh, and a lady stopped her car and came over. And she couldn't speak English, but he had the cross there. And all she did was take her hand and rub on the cross. She spoke volumes, didn't she? You thank God for the cross. See, we can thank God for, for the cross. He didn't have to. Jesus said, no man takes my life from me. I lay my life down voluntarily. Jesus gave it all. All to him we owe. Thanksgiving is an attitude that acknowledges God as a source. Thanksgiving focuses on the source, the Savior. Complaining focuses on who? Me. My needs, my problems, my wants, my concerns, my desire. That's the destructive power of complaining. Thankful people choose to focus on the positives, not the negatives of life. Negatives always happen as a matter of what we spend your time thinking about. Thankful people find a way to turn negatives into positives. They realize that God really does cause all things to work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Romans 8, 28. They know that for sure. I want to encourage you, start by writing down several things you're thankful for each day. Instead of comparing your life to the rich and famous, rate it against those who have less fame and fortune. And you can see your own situation in a more positive light if you compare yourself to someone in a similar situation to recognize there are people with worse problems than you have. In hospice, going into many homes all over the city, I would meet, I know over that period of time of almost 25 years is that 
I would meet people when I'd come in, and they would be obviously terminally ill. <clears throat> and I would talk with them about the Lord and all, and they said, Jim, you know, I had to go down to MD Anderson to be able to get some type of treatment, to be able to palliative treatment, comfort care, and so forth, or whatever it may be. And he said, while I was there, I saw so many people that were worse off than I am. Now, this is the person who's terminally ill telling me the story. There were many that told me that. I saw people a lot worse off. I worked down at chaplaincy when I did my training at MD Anderson. And if you've ever been there, you know they have children there also because Texas Children's right down the street also, if you've ever been there. And these little children are walking around with their trees, their uh, medicine trees that bags are hanging from it and many times they don't have any hair because their chemo has taken their hair away but they're walking around with these little trees if that won't make you be thankful I don't know what will there's always somebody worse off than you are and we need to be thankful we have so much to be thankful for so the question is how thankful are you for the people in your life do you thank God for them how thankful are you for the circumstances of your life do you thank God for them Would you like to be happy? Start thanking God for what you have and are. Would you like to make a difference in other people's lives? Thank God. Jeremiah chapter 30 says, From them will come songs of thanksgiving and sounds of rejoicing. I will add to their numbers and they will not be decreased. You want to build up instead of tearing down? Thank God. You want to see the church explode into revival? Begin to thank God for what He has done and what He is doing and what He will do. Amen. Okay? I'm not just talking about it here and now. Because you see, I walk by faith and not by sight. Because I have a vision today. And that prophet, he spoke of those stadiums being filled with young people praising Jesus today. Let me tell you, that is not too far-fetched, folks. Our God is a God that works wonderful wonders. He is an awesome God. We sing it. We shout it, we teach it, we know it. And God's saying, I want to come and demonstrate that awesomeness by doing these things. But you got to believe it. you got to believe it. Sounds as though, obviously, because songs of thanksgiving arise from them that God will add to their numbers. <laughs> will add to their numbers. I've always said when you leave this church, please, if you've had a rough day, don't leave with a frown on your face. If somebody sees you, they'll say, don't go over to Lighthouse Fellowship. Man, that's a grouchy looking crowd over there. I don't want to be grouchy, do (laughs) y'all? I want to be happy. I want to rejoice in the Lord always. And Paul says, again, I say rejoice. Amen. I want to lift his holy name up. I want to do that, not just between these four walls every day. God's not through with me yet. And he knows. Y'all know that. I've told you that. I'm under construction. Colossians chapter 4 says, Devote yourself to prayer. Keep an alert. It in an attitude of thanksgiving. And then Psalm 50 again. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. And he who orders his way aright, I shall show the salvation of God. A sacrifice. And sometimes it is a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Because we don't feel like. But you see, God's looking for that sacrifice. Because you think, I don't feel like thanking him. Thank him anyway. You got a lot to be thankful for. He got you up. You're still breathing. And you're able to complain. Why not, obviously, use it for Thanksgiving, right? 
You make a choice, right? Now, I'm going to ask the Lord to do something here. <laughs> because I don't want y'all leaving this place. Not what I say is what God speaks to you. If he's spoken to your heart today, that's his business. Because I always ask you, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? But I'm asking him to seal upon your heart the word of God, the word of truth about Thanksgiving. Right? So I go, you come back next week and I say, what did I preach on the last week? And all of you go, uh, duh, I don't know, Jim. I don't know, what would you preach on? You preacher, you should tell us what you preach on. Okay. And I say this so often that when I leave this place, I don't want to forget these things that are so powerful that will change my life and change your life and change the life of this church and believers all over. Okay. Thanksgiving is powerful. Change your attitude. Just thank him. Just begin when you don't feel like it. Because a lot we don't always feel like it. We know that. We're human. But God said give the offer the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of thanksgiving. I've always said when I come in to worship. I don't always quote feel like it. But I come in here and I begin to sing to the Lord. Because see what happens is when I begin as an act of my will. Worshiping the Lord and singing to him. The feelings catch up. But they're not always there to begin with, right? They catch up. And they will with you. And all who will obviously honor the Lord. Amen. Thank Him. You change your heart. Change your attitude. Amen. Thank you for your attention. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your truth. Thank you for your presence here in this place. And thank you for what you're doing in our lives, in this world, in our country today. We thank you, Father, today. That you rule and reign. You're sovereign. You're providential. You're moving things into place the way you desire them. We pray we can partner with you. Partner with your Holy Spirit, Lord, and what you're doing in the earth today that we may be able to um, fulfill the highest purposes that you have for each and every one of us. Thank you, Father, today for this church. Bless each and every one. I ask, Lord, for a fresh baptism for each person here today. We leak, Lord, I leak. And I need to be filled up. I need the fire of God to come ignite the embers of my heart. But you said you wouldn't put out a, 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 a smoldering wick or you won't crush a bruised reed. You said you'd light it. Let the fire of God, the Holy Spirit, fall upon us, dear Lord. As we are here today, assembled together as one, the body of Christ. Let the fire of God fall in this place. And again, use us for your glory and your honor. Thank you, Lord. You are worthy. And we honor you. We glorify your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen.